the chapter where he comes home I and she's like you. asleep with the iPad and she wakes up and he was like, oh, were you reading your smutty webtoons? And she was <laughs> like, yeah, I was. Welcome to The Story Thinker, a webtoons and Witcher podcast for superfans with scene-by-scene analysis. Featuring sharp co-hosts for a fuller picture, we dive deep into character psychology, relationships, and theories. We'd love it if you could like, subscribe, comment, and rate us on all podcast platforms and social media. For bonus content, you can support The Story Thinker on Patreon. Let's begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Let's call it as you guys came up with this, this name, Story Tinker After Dark. Guys, after dark. dark, even though it's like bright ass outside. Yeah, it is 4 30 in Los Angeles right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it's even earlier for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, and we are covering a very special, not Webtoon, uh, I guess Webtoon in the lowercase w sense, not in the uppercase w. <laughs> it is a story on top. It's called Come Down Machine by Amapora. And it is in the mature section, which is why we're calling it Story Tinker After Dark. But mm-hmm. Lily, I want you to give that amazing synopsis that you said. What is Come Down Machine? He's like, you have to repeat that. Now it's not as going to sound as organic. But um, I am Lily, by the way. And I, my username on Discord is Lady Lily. But that is not me, you guys, on the Come Down Machine comments. I just want to <laughs> say because... The top comment, almost every chapter, is from somebody named Lily, Lady Lily. And I thought for a split second, like, did I write this in a drunken stupor? Like, this is not me. That's not me, even though that's my name on Discord. But whoever you are, Lady Lily, if you listen to this, like, kudos on the name. And also, like, your analyzations are spot on. Like, she is a lot more eloquent than I am. Um, <laughs> but what, what Mindy wanted me to repeat was, like, the reason Come Down Machine is so good is because it's very spicy it's in the mature section we love spice around here let's just put it out there um but the reason that the story is so good is that it's not porn with a plot it's plot with a porn or a lot of porn so Mm -hmm. it's got a really really good plot and a lot of really great themes and a lot of great characters and it's just very real Mm -hmm. right there yeah background literally not the right time Okay, bye guys. Because <laughs> it's not the right time. Oh, your background! Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Your children. No. Children, goodbye. This is Story Tinker After Dark, okay? Story Tinker yeah. After Dark. This is not children's hour. Yeah. Sorry. There is, an, there is an age restriction on this podcast. Yes, yeah, so this is not a midnight popular episode. But it's not midnight. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not midnight. <laughs> Okay, guys, goodbye. So what's your background then? My background is people. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. people kissing. It's love. I mean, is it love? That is a is very it? interesting like, question. We will get into that. Yeah. Is it love? That's what we need to next, talk about. Next video, you have to do and, a picture of Larry. Okay, okay, next video, if you get out of the room, the next background, it will be a picture of our cat, Larry. Okay? You show it to us. Yes, I will show it to you. I will show you the recording, 100% truth. Okay, Thank next podcast. But you cannot come interrupt me. Bye. Yeah, come Bye. I'll put on pajamas. Next podcast, take a bath and put on pajamas, and then I'll put Larry on. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Wonderful. That's how we start story tinker after dark. Yeah. Ultimate story tinker after the dark. The kids are going to sleep. Right, well, that's what it leads to, right? Story after dark, you get the kids. Anyway. <laughs> uh that's more season two, but yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, so not to so, spoil anything. Right? Well, we don't know who, what, when, or why. But oh gosh. So okay. yes, this this episode will stick to season one. Thank you for for you know bringing that up. This is going to stick to season one. All right, so let's do um, let's let's just do a brief plot. Like what's what's going on? The story is is that we have this girl Tommy, and she is living with her boyfriend Linus, and they you know they're having a nice dandy life when she walks in on him cheating on her with a girl pink-haired girl there's a confrontation she storms out and then their life falls apart um <laughs> she meets she goes out and meets a musician a very famous musician who happens to be in mm. linus's one of linus's favorite bands and they hook up and in the end they end up getting together but she so, doesn't know she doesn't know that he's famous she doesn't recognize him right and the rest of the story goes on and we we have you know their relationship her relationship with linus Linus's relationship with Tessa, all that. So we're going to talk, assuming that you already know the story. 
And we're just going to talk about themes and ideas. And yeah, what's going on. because it's, uh, be- I mean, what did we say? It's 47 episodes. For yeah, the yeah. And, and it's like, the episodes are pretty decent, you know, pretty de- It's no like PH, you know, or MPL or whatever, where it's like, gosh, what, 120 panels or stuff. But like the episodes are pretty decent. Like, so mm-hmm. like, I think we're just going to talk about like the overall themes and like get into some things because we, there's just no way that we can go over like every single episode. I mean, we would be here for hours. We could easily yeah. talk <laughs> we, uh, like more characters are introduced, Howie, yes. Jenna, uh, the band members, <laughs> a lot of people to get through. Right. So yeah, so hopefully you've read this and that's why you're watching this. <laughs> you already know what we're Or this will pique your interest to read it. Yes. So in which case, everybody the porn. Go read this. Yes. I'm wondering how personal I should get with 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 me saying how much I enjoy the story. I enjoy this story very much in every way. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was, it think, was surprisingly yeah. good. Like it was shockingly good because I went into it for the smut. as we all did I was like oh it's in the mature section ding ding yeah yeah so I came for the porn basically because you two had told me about this comic Mm -hmm. and then I kept reading it for the plot oh yeah yeah and their discussion on mental health yeah and the artwork too um it was just an amazing comic so I came for the smut stayed for the plot and stayed for the plot all right, so who, what do you want to talk about first? Should we talk mm-hmm. about Linus and Tommy's relationship and how it went down? Who's at fault? Yeah, yeah, because I, yeah. I think that's kind of like the crux of the beginning of everything. Yeah. Like that's kind of the foundation for the whole storyline is like everything keeps coming back to their relationship and like mm-hmm. the blame game, right? Like Tessa's is blame, like Tessa's blame for Tommy, Tommy's blame on Linus. Mm-hmm. back and you know it's just all back and forth I think everything kind of comes back down to their relationships yeah I think that's a good place to start okay so basically to summarize they, they met in high school and at the time Tommy was living with her very controlling dad she was not able to stand up to him and she saw Linus and Linus was in her eyes someone who always you know said his said what was on his mind he did what he wanted he was independent he was a cool bad boy yeah you know like someone yeah. you're automatically drawn to like she was the good girl right she was yeah. like the good girl who like always the nerd and was like, Red two, two shoes like got mm-hmm. good grades and then you're attracted to this like musician bad boy who like gets in the fights and plays in a band and like shows up to school with a black eye and is like whatever you know so she was like really drawn to him because they were such opposites mm-hmm. yeah and then you know they get together and she in retrospect, when she's analyzing their relationship, one of the best things that I thought about that that I appreciated about Tommy was that she understood how some part of their relationship was very, she was very selfish in. So, you know, she used him to build her up, which is very normal for a couple to do. She, you know, every, we build each other up and she really recognizes that she leaned on him and relied on him to, to build her up into a person who was more confident. He allowed her to achieve her dreams. They moved out together. He supported her in moving out. They lived together, like left the city so that she could go to college and, you know, he could do his music thing. And what happened is is that over time, basically his past caught up with him and he did not tell her. So we learn later on in the story that his dad was very abusive and that he had to constantly stand up for his mother and he would take the beatings for his mother so that his mother would not get uh, beaten. And his father was physically abusive, emotionally abusive. And basically um, what happened was, is that Linus, you know, was able to tolerate it reasonably well in high school, but when he became an adult and life wasn't going his way, it caught up with him because he never dealt with it. And like, this really resonated for me personally because my husband grew up in an abusive background and he never dealt with it either. And for a good couple of years, I was extremely frustrated because I recognized how much it had affected him and how much it made him a person who couldn't do certain things because of that yeah and the trauma caught up with him and it was impairing him yeah and um so what happens is tommy goes on and she you know she is ambitious she's succeeding in her life and linus is stuck linus is not and he just falls deeper and deeper into depression and then tommy doesn't know what to do she doesn't have the courage to ask him linus doesn't have the courage to tell her and they just lose she loses respect for him and they just become distant and that's that's where we are when you start the story Mm-hmm. so what did what did you guys think of of his trajectory and like their their relationship do you think that Tommy and Linus was there any way their relationship could have been salvaged like what would have happened if they would have talked to each other 
I don't honestly know if their relationship could be salvaged because I think, I mean, like we were saying how Tommy viewed Linus when they were in high school, there's a lot of romanticizing of him and not actually seeing him as a person versus seeing him as like placing him in a savior role for Tommy where he's fulfilling this role. And then when she starts to realize he's not actually this hero figure, like he also has his own struggles some that you know she might not know about or some that she might visibly see but she's not even asking him about it um there's a lot of romanticizing in that and you know then when she what sees him start to drift she also then starts to pull away and drift away too because she's not ready for that so I honestly I don't think they could be salvaged even if they had talked about it I feel like that's a really long relationship to kind of skirt around that type of issue yeah, I know. I'm trying because that that's a really good question, Mindy, because now I'm trying to think because the fir my first gut reaction was like, well, yeah, because the crux of every issue is communication. Like if you can just communicate mm -hmm. about it, that's 99% of relationships. Like if you can honestly just communicate about what the issue is and work through it, like I feel like you can get through it. But then I think Emily makes a really good point. And also my kind of second initial reaction is like they're kids, right? Like they're kids wow. when they get together. And like, there are relationships where there's, I mean, there's plenty of people who are high school sweethearts and, you know, they're happily married 40 years later. You know, my parents were one of them. They started dating at 15 mm -hmm. and six kids later and 45 years later, like they're happy <laughs> as I am. So it's like, it, it, it's rare. It can be done where you meet as basically kids and you can, I think it's the growing up together. Because like, I mean, I've talked about it before in other podcasts, but like, I've, I've been with my husband for a very long time. Like we met at 19 and 20 and people are like, have you guys like been together for so long? Like, have you guys like still, like, how are you guys still, like still so happy? And it's like, we really just grew up together. Like we really mm -hmm. stayed, like we were both on our own paths, but we were both going forward. And the problem with Tommy and Linus is that they were not going forward or Linus wasn't. Tommy was going mm -hmm. forward in air quotes in her you know, career slash schooling, but like emotionally, I wouldn't say that she was going forward. I think they were both very stagnant. If that makes so sense. how much, how much sympathy did you feel from Linus when you were reading this? Because I felt a ton of sympathy, even when he cheated. I, mm -hmm. I mean, and obviously the author then what happens next is that he, well, this is what happens with the guilt and self-hatred, but let's not even get to that right now. But I felt a lot of sympathy from Linus because he wasn't given emotional tools to handle things in his life he's acting out instead of handling things appropriately because he doesn't know how to express himself and how to ask for the help that he needs mm -hmm. and he's turning to the person who gives it to him tessa which is another question because what do you think of tessa's behavior because, oh, oh no no we are but, we, are, so we already have to like start a new timer on okay yeah i oh can't line this first yeah, Linus, Linus first, and then we'll get into testing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I sorry, definitely felt same. Like, I felt a lot of sympathy for Linus once we got more of his backstory. Obviously, with him and his parents um, and his family, I also felt a lot of sympathy for him in the way that he's absorbing failure into his like mental health and his psyche. Um, I mean, obviously, everybody knows failure sucks. It's one of the worst feelings ever. Um, but Linus he he wants to become a famous music musician he moves from a small crappy town into the city um and that's where I think like class comes into because he's from a poor background and he's just like oh I'm gonna become a famous musician but he has none of the tools to actually understand how to even like set himself on that path and then he can like I mean he gets stuck really fast obviously because he's what working at a, a record store not really doing much on the side I mean, it's he's in a, like, a cover band, right? I mean, yeah. like, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're from a small town or if you're really young, like everybody <laughs> knows that statistically it's almost impossible to make it. Like, even if you're really, yeah. really talented, it's all about connections mm -hmm. and, you know, and like, it can take years and years and years to get a really lucky break. Yeah. And that happens to like less than 1%, like point, whatever, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. for people that actually like get famous and make it big and are actually successful. And so mm -hmm. for him to move like 
I'm forgetting the, the exact ages, but like from 18 to 22, let's say, because it's like a four year jump in the yeah. story. Like, I just don't think it's like very realistic or mature of him to be so depressed and upset with where he is. Yeah. As and I mean, if you true. look at the members of his favorite band, they are all like Keith, Howie, Chai. They're Bob. all in their late 20s, almost 30s. Late 20s. And also they all come from very privileged, wealthy backgrounds. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, mommy <laughs> well, no and daddy are so successful. The I mean, label, you know, they can get yeah. in the door and it's like, yeah. I mean, even the people that you can think of that like started out small, like, I mean, I'm not the biggest like taste with fan everybody can hate on me for that but like everybody's mm. like oh she started out in some Nashville small roots no she came in from a very privileged wealthy yeah. background and like mm -hmm. had a lot of ends already with the industry and like yeah. great for her now she's one of the most successful musicians in the world but it's like a, most of these people already have exactly you know ends and so it's just a mm -hmm. little bit like unreal like I understand like I understand I feel bad for Linus that he's like oh yeah I've spent four years and not made it but retrospectively I'm like you're 22 <laughs> you're still in tons of time like mm -hmm. you know, most a lot of people don't like don't ever make it or they don't make it until later in life and so I mean I get it yeah. four years when you're 22 is a really long time you're a totally different person mm -hmm. I mean he's 22 point. with no money working no connection like a crappy retail yeah. job at that at the record store um and I mean it's hard to like try to make it or be creative or successful when you are also struggling to pay rent yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is not something maybe the members of his favorite band have had to struggle with <laughs> yeah definitely but like for Linus I mean like I didn't feel sorry for him at first because I was like oh this fucking cheater yeah. is such a douchebag there's no excuse for this and I still don't really think there's an excuse for it but like of course I felt a lot more sympathy for him like as we learned his background and everything like that and I mean it makes sense it makes sense because he wasn't getting his emotional needs met I mean they say I mean of course every single case is different but they say that the majority of cheating is actually like trying to like fix a hole or get an emotional connection that's not there it's really not like physical needs like that can be a part of it too but I mean just like from what I've read statistics and articles and things like a lot of it is just emotional needs trying to be met and you go to the person that you're getting it from and that was Tessa so yeah let's talk about Tessa oh <laughs> god Tessa oh no let, let me explain let me, let me put forth Tessa's what's going on in her mind okay so Tessa sees this guy. She's a high schooler. She's very young. She she's 19. Actually, I noticed that she made her 19 because she I had forgot about that because rereading it, I went, yes. How old is she right now? She's, she's a 19-year-old who is actually 12 or acts like <laughs> but they've known each other for a year. So they met when she was 18. She was 18, yeah. Yeah. So she sees Linus. She falls yeah. in love with him at first sight, basically. At a concert. Yeah. 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 Because he's in a cover band of her brother's band. Yeah. And she falls in love with him. She pursues him very strongly, hangs out where he is, you know, and then she tries to make friends. She finds out he has a girlfriend. She's devastated. So she's like, I'm just going to be friends with him. And the more she becomes friends with him, the more she realizes that he's sad and that he's not getting love and that he is depressed. And she's like, why isn't this girl doing anything about it? And she decides, instead of, you know, I don't know, maybe butting out of his goddamn business yeah. that she like, needs to be this person for him he's like but i can fix you oh. <laughs> okay i now i have sympathy for lines i also have sympathy for tessa because i was a stupid idiot once too <laughs> absolutely a very stupid zero idiot. zero sympathy <laughs> zero. so what she proceeds to do then is okay what she does next is, is very horrible she pursues him pursues him pursues him she pushes him into physical contact with her and when the guy cries and feels guilty she doesn't take that as like oh maybe i should stop actual sign, no. like a sign like oh what i did was bad and maybe i should stop no she jumps him <laughs> it, it was heartbreaking 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 she's literally having sex with him while he is crying which i forgot that part yeah i know and it's like for some reason, it was even worse reading it the second time around. I was like, oh my god, this is so bad. Like, note to self, if you're having sex and the other person is crying, please stop. Stop. Pause. 
check in with each other. Something. Don't if keep it's going. Not happy tears of pleasure. Uh-uh. Please stop. No. Stop. Check in. See what's going on. Get off. Like, don't keep having sex with that but person. But there's just now that we're talking about this, I'm realizing there's a lot of savior complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More than several, more than one character in this comic. And Tessa. I would say definitely has this kind of like savior yeah. complex with Linus. Like she, it's the classic, the girl wants to fix the guy, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I can be that person. I can make him happy. I can fix him. I can make him his true best self. You know, like he's not at his hundred percent. And I know that I can be the person to support him and make him that way. Mm-hmm. And of course, we could discuss later, like how it is with other characters, because um, there's several themes of savior complexes and in, in the story. But and she's comparing herself to to the idea of Tommy that she has in her head because she doesn't actually know who Tommy is. So she's also thinking through the savior complex. Oh well, I'm not like Tommy. I'm going to listen to him and I'm going to be there for him and take care of him in a way that his girlfriend at the moment is clearly like failing or ignoring him. Yeah. But and I think, yeah, she wonder, thinks Tommy like, like this rude bitch, basically. <laughs> but it also makes me wonder, like, how much of her vision of Tommy is what she came up with in her head, and what portion of it is what Linus has said. Like, does is Linus saying things and she's just running with it and coming up with these crazy ideas? Like, or is Linus like, I don't think Linus has ever said <laughs> verbatim like Tommy's a frigid bitch. Like, I no, can't. It's in her head. For that, sure. But I can imagine him being like yeah, we just haven't really been intimate. And, you know, like, that's hard for me. And so she, because she's stupid and 18, automatically jumps to, she's a frigid bitch. Instead of like, oh, what could be going on in their relationship or in Tommy's life where, like, she's not feeling so intimate or drawn to have a sexual relationship with her boyfriend? Okay. All right, so so let's talk about why, why do you think Tessa is as immature as she is? Because she's a child. Yeah, because she is a literal child. And if there's a 19-year-old listening to this, you are a child. Sorry, you're also a child. I'm so sorry. But, but, okay, I'm sorry. Every older person, not to say older, but just like older in the sense of like, I'm older than 19. I know we all think this way, like, oh, I wasn't like that when I was 18 or 19. I know I was stupid at 18 or 19. I'm not saying that I wasn't. I know that I was stupid and I know that I was immature, but I will say I knew better than to do 99% of the shit that Tessa does. And that's because Tessa is a spoiled brat. I was not a spoiled brat. Yeah. Same. I was, I was a hot mess uh, in my college years. I won't lie. Yeah. No, I mean, like I was a hot mess of an 18 year old, 19 year old too. Yeah. But like, I knew way better than to like be a homewrecker hundred percent and to blame other people when I didn't know their stories or feel like I was entitled to a man that I had no entitlement to or anything like that like it's just she's she's spoiled and like we can get into her character and character development with that and we see a lot more of it in season two which we can do in a further episode but like we know that she is spoiled and mm-hmm. there are other characters like her brother and people who, who enable themselves that. like her brothers you know like who consider themselves family that know and confirm that she is a spoiled brat Mm-hmm. So she's just used to getting her way yep you know it, like I I mean I want to blame her for it I don't know if I can or cannot based on her upbringing she thinks she can have whatever she wants so of course she sees Linus and goes I want him I'm gonna have him I'm gonna do whatever I want because damn girl has balls at 19 I was so scared to talk to men at 19 like <laughs> I just I could not imagine being like yep that's the guy I'm ta- I'm taking him He's taking, mm-hmm. but I'm taking him for myself. Yeah. She also, she lacks perspective taking, which, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things that as a parent you try to do is get your kids to think about what the other person feels like. What's it like in that other person's brain? How do they see the situation? And she doesn't really seem to be able to do that. It's all about her and her way. And my way is the only way. And my perspective is the only perspective. She can't right. understand that things might be different than what she yeah. thinks. And right. I think a big portion of her character is just like so much of my hatred for her. Like it's hatred. It's like, it's not even just right. Like I really hate this character. So much of my hatred for her is solidified in our first meeting with her. Whenever Tommy walks in on like Linus cheating 
with her on their couch in their apartment. Like, honey, be smarter about this too. At least go to your place or get a hotel or something. But she, mm-hmm. you know, like Tommy walks in, it's like, what the fuck's going on? Of course, Linus jumps off of her and it's like, it's not, I can explain, blah, blah, blah. It's not what it looks like. Starts to talk to Tommy. And she stands there cross-armed and is like, make it still already like, making me. accusations at yeah. Tommy. Because, because when you are 18 or 19 or that young, the other person, the other woman, the wife, the girlfriend, or whoever it's abstract, right? It's very abstract. Yeah. Like there is a girlfriend, there is a wife, there is a other person, but it can be very abstract. Like they're not real, right? Like unless you see them or interact with them. So I feel like the majority, the majority of people who are normal would actually feel pretty bad seeing the other person for the first time and thinking like, oh shit, like that's them. They're an actual person. They walked in on us. They're horrified. They're so upset. Like I'm breaking up this relationship. This is really not right and fucked up. But she stands there and continues to like insist that she's right and berate Tommy. Mm -hmm. And she's like you said, Emily, she's still naked. She has no shame. She doesn't feel like there was anything. She's literally topless. She's standing there naked, no shame. And she's just like, yeah, Yeah. like I was fucking your boyfriend. What are you going to do about it? You frigid bitch. And it's like, Mm -hmm. because she still has that idea of Tommy, like you mentioned earlier, that she has built up in her head. She's yes. like, oh, it's Tommy. not the real Tommy. She doesn't know the real yeah. Tommy. It's Tommy. the Tommy that she's built up in her head because I mm-hmm. still can't imagine Linus talking that poorly about her. I no, can imagine I don't think saying, like, she's been so busy and she's been emotionally unavailable and that's upsetting me and I wish we had more time together and I wish that she was there, but I cannot imagine Linus ever being like, that fucking bitch hasn't been there for me. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't imagine him ever being that derogatory towards Tommy or that negative. Mm-hmm. So right, I feel like the majority of this is what Tessa has built up in her head, and she thinks that she is entitled because of Tommy's imaginary behavior that she is owed Linus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to- the Tommy in her head is like this archetype of oh, the distant, cold, busy girlfriend, and she, yeah. that's how she like doesn't him. care about him and is using him like. Yeah. For what, honey? He has no money. Like, <laughs> what, what do you think she's using him for? For like, a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> yeah, they're basically roommates, room. you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> So, yeah. Two thumbs down for Tessa. Zero out of ten. The authors have done an excellent job of making me hate her because I don't think I've ever hated anybody quite so much in a way. <laughs> right. And as of, as of this season she does not change you know linus tells her i can't be with you she pursues him she tries to pursue him she continually does not understand that she's wrong until linus finally blocks her and avoids her so Mm -hmm. that's what happens in this and then we end with her from what if i remember correctly she you know he finally tells her absolutely not and um she cries to her in her brother's arms classic right she turns to her brother her brother's there for her brother's supporting her (laughs) he doesn't Mm -hmm. chastise her and you know she gets away with it <laughs> yeah I have a lot of thoughts on the Howie the Howie Tessa relationship because I am also the baby of my family mm-hmm. um and so I'm fully aware of the dynamic between oh like the older protective siblings my siblings are like six and ten years apart from me yeah so I I understand like the protectiveness but also the dark side of that is if you are making mistakes you need to be called out about that <laughs> hundred percent hundred percent and like I'm in a unique situation where like I'm the third of six kids like we came in set so like my older sisters are 10 years younger than me and my Mm -hmm. little sister and then my two youngest siblings like were like eight nine and ten years younger than like me and my middle sister so like I've been the younger sibling and I'm also the older sibling and like I I I just I mean I know all family dynamics are different but I could not imagine being that way with my younger siblings like I just can't like I could never in a hundred years imagine condoning my baby sister being a homewrecker and knowing about it and just comforting Mm -hmm. her like I've called her out on her shit before you know it's like my job as an older sister is to make sure like to give her my wisdom and my advice from my life experience and make sure that she grows up to be a better person and learn from my mistakes Mm -hmm. I'm not there to sit and coddle her that's not my job 
No, absolutely. And my sisters, I think, would decimate me if I was in this position. <laughs> oh, my God. My my older sisters, they would decimate me. They'd be like, you can't see your nieces. You're a fuck. You know, like, I would be decimated. I would be absolutely decimated if I was a homewrecker. Um, but then, yeah. yeah, that the dark side of Howie being so protective of Tess, she's making these mistakes, but she doesn't think of it as a mistake because okay. he's still enabling this side of her. And like, we know more about their childhood. Like he had to take care of her at a very young age. I think he was like 15, 16 when she was, when she was maybe like 10 or something. Um, and that he would, you know, talk uh, how he's 28 or 29. So okay. it's like 10 years. Like right. year yeah. Okay. Because I remember in one episode, he is recounting that he had a story with Tessa when she was younger that, oh, but that's season two. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's season two? About yeah. the. I think so, right? For sure. Oh, I could have season oh, one. Well, okay, there's there's stuff in season one where he talks about like all the stuff that's going on with the mom and okay. yeah, that the mom does not like her. Um okay. whoops. Fine. Never mind. Maybe maybe it was the season. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> so so basically Tessa mm-hmm. and Howie's dad had an affair. Yes. And Tessa is the product of that affair. Yeah. So we learn more mm-hmm. about the affair, I think, in season two, but in season one, we just like we know about that general situation. And that the mom hates Tessa. So then Howie, you know, stepped in as like a pseudo parental figure to her. Mm-hmm. And he's also like, I mean, 17, 18, he's also been trying to take care of a child. So like, I don't fully fault him for maybe baby, babying her that much. But I think at a certain point, he needs to tell her like, you are now 19, you're getting older. I can't always be there to help you out. And also you need to think yeah. about your actions and the people around you. You're an adult. Well, I think that... Um a huge reason why Howie babies her and this is I mean this is from season one because we did a reread is because the one of the reasons that he took over and became so involved in her care and like upbringing is because that she expressed at a very young age and like I don't know if we need trigger warnings or whatever but like trigger warning like, yeah, that was, mm-hmm. whatever um she expressed ideation at like at a child's age she was like 12 or something or younger than that that she wanted to not live and like end her life because she was so bullied and so he was very alarmed and was like holy shit this is super messed up and that's when he stepped in and you know was like I I will step in you know to make sure you're not bullied by mother even to the point where he like said that he would take over as like take over their like what like their business their conglomerate he you know he wasn't planning on taking over the family business and then he said if you leave Tessa alone I will take over the family business like you want me to. Right. And he would marry whoever they wanted. And then he would, you know, marry whoever for like business reasons. And so I think in the back of his mind, how he's always putting like that, you know, mental health slash suicidal ideation, you know, but I mean, she was super young at that point. She was like eight, nine, 10, something at that point. It's like, you know, 10 years later, She's not going to go off herself just because you tell her you, you fucked up as a homewrecker. Like you need to give her a little bit more credit. She's not the same 10 year old kid. Mm-hmm. And anymore. She does but have- I think that's just how he sees her. I think he thinks that yeah. she's so fragile that she'll, you know, oh my yeah. God, she could become suicidal again. She struggled so much with her mental health and all that stuff. And like, that's fair and that's valid. But like, as we see, Tessa is perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's also denying, like, he is then denying her agency, too, and that she is making decisions. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's one scene that I was just looking at right before we started talking, where he's drink like, he's drinking a cup of coffee or something, and he, like, sees baby or a young Tessa, like, mm-hmm. in the coffee, and I'm like, so, I mean, he's always seeing her in this role, even though now she is. Now oh, yeah, and I mean, I get that, like, my siblings now are, <laughs> I can't even think, I'm like, what, they're 20? four and 25 <laughs> 10 years older than them I'm gonna be 34 oh. this year yeah whatever but I still see them forever in my head as like 12 you know but like mm-hmm. realistically I know that they're adults yeah like the baby sister's married like they're like I know that they're adults and they have agency of their lives and like but I that doesn't mean I won't forever in my head see that like I just think of them forever as like oh they're my baby siblings I always think of them as like the years of when I helped raise them and that's part of Howie's problem but the major problem is that he has not given her agency to grow the fuck up and be responsible for her actions yeah. mm-hmm. there's been a lot of coddling on all ends 
Yeah, I mean, even Keith also uh, coddles her. Yes. Keith he's massively coddles her, and I cannot wait till we do season two because I have words. <laughs> I have words and opinions, oh my God. and I am fired up about that. Mm-hmm. Season two got me heated. <laughs> I am heated so- about it, but that's another day. That's another yes. topic. Yeah. And it's interesting that Howie, you know, treats her in that respect and doesn't you know, give her what she needs because he's so wise in many other regards. Like the stuff yeah. that he says to Tommy is like straight up, like, oh my God. like psycho- psychologist type stuff. You know? Oh my God. When he, there's a scene where he's talking to Tommy. I think it's, I think it might've been after at the bar. She, mm-hmm. yeah. No, after she kissed Linus oh, again. Linus. Yeah. 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 And he's telling, talking to her about Keith and like how you should be in a relationship. And he says, um, like the three, the three most important things to do is like keep the other person in mind, be considerate of them, and always communicate. And I was like, this uh-huh. is amazing advice that honestly not too many people follow. But well, they need- I mean, Howie's in a great relationship. So we can <laughs> get into them. Like they have a wonder. I mean, as far as we see, you know, as yeah. far oh my as, God. Saying, as, far as we see. They are like the OG. They are like OG couple. They are the cutest. They are forever. They are the thing. Yes. Mm. Catherine is a queen. She doesn't. Catherine is a queen. Much. But every time she shows up, it's just, it's wonderful. She's like a breath of fresh air. She's so wise. They're the cutest. Like, I just get so happy because I feel like it's not shown that much in. I mean, yeah. I want to say webtoons, but then I also want to say like in all forms of media, especially romance, you don't really yeah. see that often like healthy forms of obsession, right? We see the like sick forms of obsession mm-hmm. and the controlling and like yeah. we were just talking before we started recording that like, a lot of very creepy <laughs> webtoons out there where it's just a lot of possession and controlling, but like Howie and Catherine are so cute because they really do remind me like so much of my husband and I, where we're just like very super into each other and obsessed with each other but also have like really great communication and we're just like so into each other and they just like love each other and are so happy to be with each other like it's just so refreshing to see that in a webtoon you know it's just really cute it's just so adorable I love when they tease each other about being like how he really desperately wants Catherine to be jealous yes so funny like I I, I really feel very connected to Catherine Howie not that my husband is like Howie and not that I'm like Catherine but just their relationship when I was reading it I actually like my husband doesn't read come down machine but the the chapter where and we can get into the spice the chapter where he comes home and she's like asleep with the ipad and she wakes up and he was like oh were you reading your smutty webtoons and she was like (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. was it enough? And she's like, no, that is actually happened with my husband. That exact scenario. Like, I, sh- I literally was screaming when I read it and I showed it to my husband and he was like, are they recording this? Like, what is happening right now? Oh my it's God. Actually, and all of the, like, <laughs> and all of the jealousy stuff because I am so comfortable in relation- my relationship. Like, I don't care. Like, my husband can go to the strip club at a bachelor party. Like, he can get a lap. Like, I don't care. I'm so so I like I'm not jealous he's like I wish you would get jealous like he'll come home and be like yeah this girl hit on me at the bar and I'm like great mm-hmm. <laughs> good for you how did that feel for you did it make you feel good about yourself because when I get hit on I'm like I still got it I'm old yeah. and I still got it you know and then he's happy for me like we just have that kind of relationship so to see it mm-hmm. in media like I was overjoyed I think they're the cutest mm-hmm. No, I went through that exact same thing, especially with that episode. I showed it to my husband, like, it's, I know, yeah. especially the web. Probably everyone like, reading, reading it. Reading it like, yeah. the line, were you reading a smutty comic? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he goes, was it a smutty one? And I'm like, Johan has said those words verbatim. Those, ex- those exact words, those exact words. And it was just so, it's also kind of meta because you're also reading a smutty yes. comic. Yes. About and then they proceed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exactly it. This, this it was is just so brilliant. Thing. And then, and then, mm-hmm. and Sue, and then as like Mindy said in our Google Doc summary, sex ensues. Sex ensues. <laughs> it's a good episode when sex For those ensues. of you guys listening, Mindy made this amazing Google Doc summary of all the chapters and every other chapter it says blah, 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 summary, sex yes. ensues. Yep. Yeah. Or your parentheses. We remember it. Yeah, parentheses, <laughs> yeah. sex ensues. Sex ensues. <laughs> Yeah, I love that they put that in because she put that in because that's obviously like a line to us readers. And yeah, if y'all, if I'm not in the mood and y'all want me to get in there, he's like, go, go read your webtoons. Go, go read it. Go read a smutty one. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what he wants. And, so and, true. You know, it's either like go true. read a smutty webtoon or a fanfic, and he knows. He knows. It's just like yeah, that's always gonna work. Oh my god! So, so actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, so when I showed Johan, I've shown Johan like a few episodes of this comic. And mm-hmm. for a while, he was convinced. He only recently discovered that the comic is called The Come Down Machine because he thought it literally was The Come Down <laughs> Like C-U- like C-U-M. He was like, wait a minute. I thought it was because I would I would mainly show him the smutty one. Oh God! So, yeah. so why is it called the Come Down Machine? He knows the name I, of this one. He's like, which one are you doing tonight? And I'm like, Come Down Machine. He's like, okay, I don't know this one. He just knows pH. Yeah. What? So do you got what? What? Why is it called Come Down Machine? Is that a phrase? I don't know. I never googled it. Like, what does that mean? So it is a song by The Strokes from their recent oh. one of their recent albums. Okay, fine. it's called the Come Down Machine. I but I think it's also a phrase. Yeah, I have also not listened to that song, so I don't know. I know the comic is really good about comparing like song lyrics and titles um, to like the theme of that episode. That's what I was wondering every about. Title is a song lyric. Okay, yeah. I figured it sounded too specific, but I don't. I know was with you, Mindy. I, I I I honestly didn't know. I just yeah. kind of ran. But I don't way. know like the specific connection between the song and the theme of the comic. That could be a whole other episode. I know, like, especially in, not that I'll give away stuff from season two, but I know a lot lot of the comments were like, oh, we're in the come down part of the, yeah. And I'm like, is that the song? Does that just mean, like, shit is happening now? Yeah, that's what I think. I'm like, is this just me? Is that just me shit's hitting the fan? Like, that's what the come down machine is? I think, I don't know. I feel like I should have been better prepared coming onto this podcast, but I really don't. I matter. think that knowing that now that every lyric, every title is a song lyric, maybe I'll make a yeah. separate video just about that, <laughs> pulling the songs and like. Yeah, um, I recognize some of the titles. I was like, wait a minute, where have I heard this before? That is <laughs> so cool. like, I know this one. Oh, especially yeah. strokes. Strokes are. Oh yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see. What's another one? Um, what did you guys think about? Oh, okay, Keith. Keith's hey. girl. <laughs> okay. He sees this girl, he hooks up with her, he thinks that's all it's going to okay. be. Then, and he tells us flat out that when he saw that Tommy had been dumped and when he saw Linus, his something about him, something competitive, something jealous, something possessive, I don't know. He's like, I'm going to go for this girl. This girl's going to be mine. And he constantly provokes Linus on purpose, makes him feel like poop and, and, yeah, well, we know the reason. We know it's because he was trying to get back at him for sleeping with Tessa. Yeah. Even he considers before Tessa he, like a little sister. Right. Yeah. But even before he knew that it was Tessa, he was also a jerk to him. So, yeah. What do you guys think that was unjustified? Was that too much? Like to knock a man while he's down? Especially a fan. It was so, I, I was like, my heart was breaking for Linus. Well, I don't think he knew that Linus was a fan at the beginning because when he hooked up with Tommy, Tommy was like, I'm just, I was, I was literally just dumped. And so he just thought it was a one-time random hookup. Um, but I mean, clearly he and Tommy connect, connected in more ways than one. Um, and he felt a lot of attraction to her. So he like went to the school and dropped off her backpack, you know? and saw Linus and I yeah I just think it I think it was a little bit of like healthy not so healthy male competitiveness like oh like I want your girl now you know like you don't like you fucked up Mm -hmm. you don't have your girl anymore like I'm gonna take her from you she's beautiful I'm gonna take her she's mine now um because he didn't figure out the Tessa stuff and like him being a fan until later and so I think the kind of initial reaction was just like male competitiveness yeah and I think it's for us we can say oh Keith was harsh in some situations against Linus because we also know Linus's background but in Keith's eyes I think he's sort of looking at Linus a little bit how Tessa is looking at Tommy Mm. he's like oh this boyfriend he's a shit boyfriend he's Mm -hmm. never there for Tommy he even cheated on her with you know my technical baby sister um like in his eyes Linus is the archetype of a shitty ex-boyfriend so he's like oh I don't mind like having sex with his ex-girlfriend now and I'm gonna keep doing it and now I'm gonna do it in their apartment where Linus can even hear from the kitchen or something they did that several times yeah Yeah. so I thought this is a good time to talk about Linus's reaction because 
when Linus hears them having sex or throughout the, you know, the, the story when he's feeling guilty, he, again, I guess maybe another trigger warning, he cuts himself. And you know that this is something, it looks like some, that's something he's been doing for a while whenever things, mm-hmm. his feelings are overwhelming for him. And in this case, what he feels is tremendous self-hatred. And this is a, a constant theme for Linus. His father's, you know, figures always standing there over him with this like ghastly, horrible eyes, mocking him, putting him down, deriding him, telling him he's worthless, telling him he can't do anything. He's always doing everything wrong. And Linus struggles with that. That is massive. And the way that he releases that is he cuts himself and he hates himself. He hates himself. And it is I, I it is super heartbreaking. And yeah. we're still in season two and we haven't we haven't resolved that. But here in season one, it's it's especially strong. This is like mm-hmm. something that is you know it's, uh, that is Linus so mm-hmm. what did you think of that and is that something that also again made you feel sympathy what would you do like what do you think of how he's oh uh, definitely yeah. I definitely feel massive sympathy for him because anybody mm-hmm. to get to that point where they're doing that to themselves like they're they're deep they're deep in the depths of yeah. self-hatred and I think it's showing like just he's stuck in this cycle of generational trauma mm-hmm. with his family. And I mean, in a way, in a similar way that, you know, Tommy feels stuck from the past. He also feels stuck in the past because he can't, even though he's moved out of his hometown and he's in the city now, like he's still mentally stuck in his childhood home with his mm-hmm. dad. And then also the hallucination he has too of the for- like the former Linus or the previous Linus who was, you know, quote unquote, strong enough to beat up his dad or to like fight back. Um, and he feels like, oh, he's maybe now lost that, like lost that piece of himself, but it's just like a never ending cycle of trauma and self-hatred. And he doesn't help himself. Like in this in this season, there's no positive movement forward. He's really stuck and he doesn't know how to, how to change it. And like, you know, maybe a different person or a person who had been raised in a more supportive background would turn to others for help but he doesn't and he just he takes it all on himself and that's you know like you said his younger self was able to do it whether mm-hmm. it's because he was younger he's still more optimistic he wasn't beaten down by life he was able to stand up to his father but now he's taking all he doesn't have that strength anymore and he cannot ask others for help so he's just taking it all out on himself mm-hmm. I think he, he said that he started fighting back because his dad um his dad would hit his like fight his mom yeah and his and I don't think his little sibling yet though like he stepped in when he the dad went too far with the mom mm-hmm. in like yeah it's like I know it's gonna come across weird because of the way I phrase it but it's like when I look at Linus and the way that he's reacting now and the way that he would like him getting beat up was his purpose like mm-hmm. it gave him purpose and meaning yeah. no absolutely to, take the fall for his mother and his siblings right like he could bear it because he knew at the end of the day he was doing good right like he was you know air quotes doing good because he took the brunt of it for his mother and his siblings and so of course he could stick his chin up like of course he could bear through it because he at the end of the day could fall asleep knowing that he protected his mother and his siblings and that was enough that was enough to get through the next beating but once that trauma ends and you haven't dealt with that, you have to find a new purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to find a new purpose to like, who am I helping? What am I here for? Like, what am I, what am I doing? And I think that when he cuts himself, that's him trying to, I don't know. I'm just talking out loud at this moment. I haven't really thought about this point, point, but like, he's trying to feel again. He's trying to feel some kind of like purpose, like, I, if I feel guilty and if I hurt, if I make myself hurt and I suffer, Mm -hmm. I'm worthy. I am, I have purpose and I have meaning. Like I have fucked up and I have cheated on my girlfriend and I have done this wrong and I'm a shitty human. But if I hurt myself, it gives me meaning because Mm -hmm. I've atoned for that. Mm -hmm. But it was punishing himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hundred percent punishing himself yeah for sure and like there there is an aspect of cutting that's like distraction like distraction from the pain so you don't have to think about the feelings and all of that and like this is just me again me theorizing I have not cut myself I I don't know the you know I think there's many reasons that people could you know cut themselves or I'm not a therapist or a psychoanalyst or things like that but 
that I mean that's just what I'm seeing from him and his comic and his purpose I think that he's failed in his musical career he's not doing so hot with Tommy and he hasn't processed the trauma from his upbringing and his family and this is the only outlet like he hasn't moved forward or grown or like he just doesn't know how to process he doesn't know how to process or deal with this trauma and how to move forward Mm -hmm. this is how he's processing it Mm -hmm. You know, some people drink, some people go drive fast, some people go, you know, axe throwing. I don't know, but like for him, this is his outlet. Mm. This is what he's doing. Yeah. So another question, do you think that Tommy and Keith, again, it's hard to talk about without talking about season two, but do you think they have, what is drawing them together? Because right now it's a lot of sex. (laughs) Do you think it's they have something that's sex. more substantive? For sure. It's a lot of sex. Um, because they meet, they meet initially because of attraction. Yeah. She's drawn to him. That's how they meet. She sees him walking by and is like, holy shit, he's so beautiful. Is he famous? Like she doesn't even know that he's famous. She's just thinking he's so beautiful. He must be famous. Follows him into a bar is too nervous to talk to him. And then Howie, you know, like, you know, <laughs> them or whatever. And then yeah, Howie's the wingman. <laughs> yeah, she's trying to get back at Tessa for calling her frigid bitch. And she's like, I'm not frigid. I'll show you. So she hooks up with Keith, not knowing his name, not knowing who he is. She has no idea. She's just like, this guy's fucking hot. And so <laughs> they, you know, they don't even fuck that night. They just like mess around and almost go all the way. They just do a bunch of other stuff. But I mean, they're clearly drawn. They're clearly drawn to each other. They're attracted to each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, and then it obviously develops into more. I think that Keith sees her as more of like a payback, like a challenge because of the whole like Tessa Linus situation. And like, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't he even admit that? He's like, oh, well, at first I just kind of like yeah. wanted to get back at He Linus. admits it to him. And I like fell in love with you, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, I think he admits it to himself. I don't. Think he does. I don't think he admits yeah. it to her. Yeah. Yeah. He ruminates. Yeah. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. he does have a moment but, of self-analysis where he talks about like why he likes her. He says she's sweet. Like he doesn't really say much about her, which to me, you know, I, I'm always very into like why are couples together? What's compatible? Mm-hmm. What's the long-term compatibility? You yeah, know, well, once the, like sex wears off. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. This is gonna be so hard because like I don't wanna I don't wanna get into season two, but like I will just say like by season two okay no I don't I don't I don't want to like <laughs> we'll get into season two but like season one they start I mean they definitely start out with a very strong physical connection like their chemistry that cannot be denied mm-hmm. I do think they start to veer towards the end of season one into like the emotional territory for sure still very yeah. like rocky terrain <laughs> and I think they're really very still very terrain bad. towards the end because yeah like Keith's issue and he Keith's one of many how am I going to say this like one of Keith's issues is being abandoned right because mm-hmm. Keith in the story is super super famous has been for a while is 20 is he 28 or 29 he's 29 29 and he tells Tommy, like, I haven't had a serious relationship for seven years. He's kind of notorious for being a playboy. And that's because he's so terrified because his, like, previous serious girlfriend, um, he, I think they use the term, like, can't take the heat from the paparazzi. And I'm like, she got death threats. Like, I would, yeah, bring- that's a lot to handle. <laughs> like, I'm done. Yeah. So basically, his previous girlfriend wasn't famous, was like some super local artist that he met and they got into a serious relationship and like they really loved each other and she you know started getting death threats from the fans and was getting harassed and she's like no I can't handle this I'm done which Mm -hmm. I think is totally fair but I also understand Keith's reaction because he's like how can I ever have a normal loving relationship or have somebody stay by my side because of my pain um so he his issue is that he's gonna feel abandoned because of his, mm-hmm. uh, oh, should we get into Chihiro? But oh my god! Well, I was about to say too. I think it's important to note that, like, in a few scenes when Howie is watching Tommy and Keith, like Howie, I feel like genuinely likes them together. Yeah, like he sees a chemistry there 
that's maybe just like or that's beyond physical um and i mean well, how he is how he recognizes that tommy is good for keith because yeah. Keith, i feel like is like kind of drawn towards maybe like the emotionally so unavailable women i don't i don't know i don't know but <laughs> i feel like how he's like this is healthy for you and yeah. i think a huge thing that we're not really discussing is like she did not recognize him this guy is super famous yeah. in the world and I think that's a part of the reason why their relationship works because she wasn't after him for his fame. Like she thought he was super hot, but she wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm totally going to hook up with the guy from, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm going to bang him and I'm not going to be a frigid bitch. She was just like, this guy is hot, you know? Yeah. And so, and then he appreciated that. He's like, oh my gosh, this girl didn't even know who I was. She didn't recognize yeah. me. She didn't know my name. So he was drawn to that, that he kind of, was like oh she fell for fell for me not knowing who I was and that's super refreshing and then she was like really embarrassed when she found out who she was she's like oh my god this is crazy and he's like don't think of me any differently you know Mm -hmm. I'm still the same person that you like hooked up with last night (laughs) and so I I think that how he thinks that it's like a healthy you know like probably good for him to be with somebody like that so um we have like five minutes left so I think there is a lot to talk about with Chi, but I think let's save it for season two because okay, we, good. we yeah. only have a little introduction anyway. This that, that unravels a lot in season I two. I was like, she yeah. is a, and she is the Tessa 2.0. She yes. is involved, so. <laughs> That's one so, whole episode. That's a whole <laughs> right. episode we can get into. So I think in the last like four and a half minutes we have left, um, I want to talk a little bit about Tommy and her revelation at the end with the yeah. not being able to leave Linus and then our favorite smut scene. <laughs> so oh, with, yes. <laughs> we got to so chop chop Tommy, on that bit. Just like mm-hmm. really briefly, Tommy at some point realizes she has this really wonderful, it's, it's a gorgeous scene artistically. She looks at herself in the mirror. She realizes that she didn't want to let Linus go. She talks about this with Howie. She didn't want to let him go because she couldn't imagine her life without him, basically. It was too much change. And even though she knew it wasn't good anymore, she didn't want to do anything about it because it was too hard to change, which I think is a massive, I think it's something that's very true for a lot of people, even when something's not good. The alternative is too scary for us. She mm-hmm. pictures us exactly. on the top of a cliff. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't know the way forward too, which is yeah. the scariest part for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the decision kind of was made for both of them. I mean, by by him cheating, you know, that was the the break that she needed, the push that she needed. But she doesn't give him up right away, which she talks about, you know, that she continues living with him and how he tells her that's like not healthy. And it's not allowing both of them to move on. And which we see because they end up, Linus finally tells her his story Christmas when they're you know they're both home she's missing his family the fact that they used to have a nice Christmas together and then they she he tells her her story his story she feels really guilty and then they kiss yeah <laughs> so yeah and then, which leads to Keith being angry they're not talking for a while and then you know their friends get them shove them together again and then we have actually leading to what is your favorite sex scene? Because it I was like, "What?" Well, <laughs> on a great note. Yes, they're honestly all so amazing and well done. <laughs> they're so well done. The dig, you guys. If you haven't, if you're listening to this, you haven't read "Come Down Machine." Obviously, you're gonna go read it. The smut in this comic, the it's top notch, is it's- like top notch. Like, talk about from like the female gaze, right? That's a whole Just- episode by itself is analyzing the smut of come down machine <laughs> that's yeah, well, two really left to do it. okay well howie and Catherine love that scene particularly because it sounds like we have all lived that scene yes <laughs> we have been uh, inspired by the smut yeah inspired by the smut inspired inspired. By the that's good i like it also Tom, when keith wakes up tommy mm. in the morning mm. oh amazing yes, i remember that yeah, visual we all know in case you guys don't know she wakes up um to a little surprise between her legs he is he has gorgeous eyes he has stunning eyes i like oh no his eyes are when his face when he looks back up at her i explode just like i'm dead these eyes but um i really like the initial hookup scene where they meet in the bar amazing they like get in his car and i'm like oh 
Oh my god! When they hit us, like you just have to laugh because the driver like puts up the partition, and it's just funny because it's like every movie ever, right? Like how many movies have we seen where like the partition goes up and it's like, I mean, Beyonce literally has a song about that. Yeah, about the partition. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like that scene, like is so hot. You're just like the chemistry. And There's he hits both. you with the praise kink and good girl. So yes, fast. Like, oh my god! Like we could literally go on for so many. Yeah, yeah. Like, we might have to talk more about smut in first. I think season. I think we will. We have like yeah. thirty seconds left. But yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm with you. The first the first sex scene is my favorite. It's not even yeah. actual sex, but it's totally my it's favorite. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like everything but but so hot. Mm, awesome. Well, we're going to get cut off, so sorry, but we totally are going to do this for season two because there's still so much to talk there's about. There's still so much. So, there's yeah, so there much. might be a few more episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this was awesome. Thank you so much. And I will see you like really shortly. Thank you, Mickey. See you soon. Thanks, Bye. Guys. Thank you so much to my current patrons, Susie, Lily, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Joe, Michelle, Saucy, Tuggles, Anne Rose, Alexa, Missy, Joanne, Esther, I'm watching you people, Emily, Jean, Kay, Lily, Beckett, Miranda, Christine, Sadie, Teresa, Miss Elizabeth, Donald, and Emma Cora. Your support is truly appreciated.